The Postmaster by Rabindranath Tagore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Chinmay Kumar Hota, Bhubaneswar, India. The Postmaster. The postmaster first took up his duties in the village of Ulapur. Though the village was a small one, there was an indigo factory nearby, and the proprietor, an Englishman, had managed to get a post office established. Our postmaster belonged to Calcutta. He felt like a fish out of water in this remote village. His office and living room were in a dark, thatched shed not far from a green, slimy pond surrounded on all sides by a dense growth. The men employed in the indigo factory had no leisure. Moreover, they were hardly desirable companions for decent folk. Nor is a Calcutta boy an adept in art of associating with others. Among strangers he appears either proud or ill at ease. At any rate, the postmaster had but little company, nor had he much to do. At times he tried his hand at writing a verse or two, that the movement of the leaves and the clouds of the sky were enough to fill life with joy, such were the sentiments to which he sought to give expression. But God knows that the poor fellow would have felt it as the gift of a new life, if some genie of the Arabian Nights had in one night swept away the trees, leaves and all, and replaced them with a macadamized road, hiding clouds from view with rows of tall houses. The postmaster's salary was small. He had to cook his own meals, which he used to share with Ratan, the orphan girl of the village, who did odd jobs for him. When, in the evening, the smoke began to curl up from the village cow's heads and the cicalas chirped in every bush, when the mendicants of the Baul sect sang their shrill songs in the daily meeting place, when any poet who had attempted to watch the movements of the leaves in the dense bamboo thickets would have felt a ghostly shiver run down his back, the postmaster would light his little lamp and call out, Ratan! Ratan would sit outside waiting for this call, and, instead of coming at once, would reply, Did you call me, sir? What are you doing? the postmaster would ask. I must be going to light the kitchen fire, would be the answer. And the postmaster would say, Oh, let the kitchen fire be for a while. Light me my pipe first. At last, Ratan would enter with puffed-out cheeks, vigorously blowing into a flame a live coal to light the tobacco. This would give the postmaster an opportunity of conversing. Well, Ratan, perhaps he would begin. Do you remember anything of your mother? That was a fertile subject. Ratan partly remembered and partly didn't. Her father had been fonder of her than her mother. Him she recollected more vividly. He used to come home in the evening after his work, and one or two evenings stood out more clearly than others, like pictures in her memory. 
Ratan would sit on the floor near the postmaster's feet as memories crowded in upon her. She called to mind a little brother that she had, and how on some bygone cloudy day she had played at fishing with him on the edge of the pond with a twig for a make-believe fishing rod. Such little incidents would drive out greater events from her mind. Thus, as they talked, it would often get very late, and the postmaster would feel too lazy to do any cooking at all. Ratan would then hastily light the fire and toast some unleavened bread, which, with the cold remnants of the morning meal, was enough for their supper. On some evenings, seated at his desk in the corner of the big empty shed, the postmaster too would call up memories of his own home, of his mother and his sister, of those for whom in his exile his hurt was sad, memories which were always haunting him, but which he could not talk about with the men of the factory, though he found himself naturally recalling them aloud in the presence of the simple little girl. And so it came about that the girl would allude to his people as mother, brother, and sister, as if she had known them all her life. In fact, she had a complete picture of each one of them painted in her little heart. One noon, during a break in the rains, there was a cool, soft breeze blowing. The smell of the damp grass and leaves in the hot sun felt like warm breathing of the tired earth on one's body. A persistent bird went on all the afternoon repeating the burden of its one complaint in nature's audience chamber. The postmaster had nothing to do. The shimmer of the freshly washed leaves and the banked-up remnants of the retreating rain clouds were sights to see and the postmaster was watching them and thinking to himself, Oh, if only some kindred soul were near, just one loving human being whom I could hold near my heart. This was exactly, he went on to think, what the bird was trying to say, and it was same feeling which the murmuring leaves were striving to express. But no one knows, or would believe, that such an idea might also take possession of an ill-paid village postmaster in the deep, silent midday interval of his work. The postmaster sighed and called out, Ratan! Ratan was then sprawling beneath the guava tree, busily engaged in eating unripe guavas. At the voice of her master, she ran up breathlessly, saying, Where are you calling me, Dada? I was thinking, said the postmaster, of teaching you to read. And then, for the rest of the afternoon, he taught her the alphabet. Thus, in a very short time, Ratan had got as far as the double consonants. It seemed as though the sours of the season would never end. Canals, ditches and hollows were all overflowing with water. Day and night, the patter of rain was heard and the croaking of frogs. The village roads became impossible, and marketing had to be done in punts. One heavily clouded morning, the postmaster's little pupil had been long waiting outside the door for her call, but not hearing it as usual, she took up her dog-eared book and slowly entered the room.
she found the master stretched out on his bed and thinking that he was resting she was about to retire on tiptoe when she suddenly heard the name ratan she turned at once and asked where are you sleeping dada the postmaster in a plaintive voice said i am not well fill my head is it very hot in the loneliness of his exile and in the gloom of the rains his ailing body needed a little tender nursing he longed to remember the touch on the forehead of soft hands with tinkling bracelets to imagine the presence of loving womanhood the nearness of mother and sister and the exile was not disappointed ratan ceased to be a little girl she at once stepped into the post of mother called in the village doctor gave the patient his pills at the proper intervals sat up all night by his pillow cooked his gruel for him and every now and then asked are you feeling a little better dada it was some time before the postmaster with weakened body was able to leave his sick bed no more of this said he with decision i must get a transfer he at once wrote off to calcutta an application for a transfer on the ground of the unhealthiness of the place relieved from her duties as nurse ratan again took up her old place outside the door but she no longer heard the same old call she would sometimes peep into furtively to find the postmaster sitting on a chair or stretched on his bed and staring absent-mindedly into the air while ratan was awaiting her call the postmaster was awaiting a reply to his application the girl read her old lessons over and over again her great fear was lest when the call came she might be found wanting in double consonants at last after a week the call did come one evening with an overflowing heart ratan rushed into the room with her where are you calling me dada the postmaster said i am going away tomorrow ratan where are you going dada i am going home when will you come back i am not coming back ratan asked no other question the postmaster of his own accord went on to tell her that his application for a transfer had been rejected so he had resigned his post and was going home for a long time neither of them spoke another word the lamp went on dimly burning and from a leak in one corner of the thatch water dripped steadily into an earthen vessel on the floor beneath it after a while ratan rose and went off to the kitchen to prepare the meal but she was not so quick about it as on other days many new things to think of had entered her little brain when the postmaster had finished his supper the girl suddenly asked him dada will you take me to your home the postmaster laughed what an idea said he but he did not think it necessary to explain to the girl wherein lay the absurdity the whole night in her waking and in her dreams the postmaster's laughing reply haunted her what an idea on getting up in the morning the postmaster found his bath ready he had stuck to his calcutta habit of bathing in water drawn and kept in pitchers instead of taking a plunge in the river 
as was the custom of the village. For some reason or other, the girl could not ask him about the time of his departure. So she had fetched the water from the river long before sunrise, that it should be ready as early as he might want it. After the bath came a call for Ratan. She entered noiselessly and looked silently into her master's face for orders. The master said, You need not be anxious about my going away, Ratan. I shall tell my successor to look after you. These words were kindly meant, no doubt, but inscrutable are the ways of a woman's heart. Ratan had borne many a scolding from her master without complaint, but these kind words she could not bear. She burst out weeping and said, No, no, you need not tell anybody anything at all about me. I don't want to stay on here. The postmaster was dumbfounded. He had never seen Ratan like this before. The new incumbent duly arrived and the postmaster, having given over charge, prepared to depart. Just before starting, he called Ratan and said, Here is something for you. I hope it will keep you for some little time. He brought out from his pocket the whole of his month's salary, retailing only a trifle for his travelling expenses. Then Ratan fell at his feet and cried, Oh, Dada, I pray you, don't give me anything. Don't in any way trouble about me. And then she ran away out of sight. The postmaster heaved a sigh, took up his carpet bag, put his umbrella over his shoulder, and, accompanied by a man carrying his many-colored tin trunk, he slowly made for the boat. When he got in and the boat was on the way, and the rain-swollen river, like a stream of tears welling up from the earth, swirled and sobbed at her bows, then he felt a pain at heart. The grief-stricken face of a village girl seemed to represent for him the great unspoken pervading grief of Mother Earth herself. At one time, he had an impulse to go back and bring away along with him that lonesome waif forsaken of the world. But the wind had just filled the sails, and the boat had got well into the middle of the turbulent current, and already the village was left behind, and its outlying burning ground came in sight. So the traveller, born on the breast of a swift-flowing river, consoled himself with philosophical reflections on the numberless meetings and partings going on in the world, on death, the great parting from which none returns. But Ratan had no philosophy. She was wandering about the post office in a flood of tears. It may be that she had still a lurking hope in some corner of her heart that her dada would return and that is why she could not tear herself away. Alas for our foolish human nature. Its own mistakes are persistent. The dictates of reason take a long time to assert their own sway. The surest proofs, meanwhile, are disbelieved. Paul's hope is clung to with all one's might and main, till a day comes when it has sucked the heart dry and it forcibly breaks through its bonds and departs. After that comes the misery of awakening, 
and then once again the longing to get back into the maze of the same mistakes end of the postmaster by rabindranath tagore